0: Now I've got a pop filter so I can yeah, say my perfect. peas. Per- peas. Per- peas. Butterscotch
1: shenanigans. shenanigans. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 48 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer.
0: I'm Adam and I'm the web
2: thing. And I'm Sam and I'm the fucking artist. And today is May
1: 3rd. 2016. Yeah, sure. It could be any day. And before we get started, we have a warning: anything could happen on this show, including lewdness, profanity, and n- nudeness. Yes. <laughs> I did just drop an F. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> for example, Sam might
0: say "fuck" in the past. Yep. Yeah. So if you could just <laughs> could go back warned. and
1: delete that from your brain. Yeah. Also, if you're a child, go away. Okay, let's get started, boys. Although we have
0: attached the explicit tag on iTunes now.
1: Yeah. So what are you doing? Get so, out of here, kids. You scamps.
0: Yeah. yeah. No Ugh
2: also, we're all in the same room for the first time in a long time, and we all have
1: nice mics. This is the first time we are in the same room with individual microphones.
0: Well, my microphone looks kind of like, I'm going to go with E.T. Adam's got a... <laughs> Actually, I'm going to take a picture of this so we can send it out later. He's got a
2: sweater. We can take it afterwards. He's got a sweater wrapped around a mic that is standing on top of a Kleenex box. It's also standing on top of another box, yeah. so
1: it's, it's it's very precarious DIY. It's a precarious mic. Yeah, let's uh, hit yeah. the news. Adams up here in St. Louis preparing for the move, mm-hmm. the Great Migration yeah we're we're gonna have all of our studio in one place for the first time in forever literally actually forever.
0: And speaking of all of our studio, it's gonna simultaneously
1: grow. Yeah yeah so we have a big announcement which we put up on our blog today but if you if you're not the reading type, you know then uh, you can just listen to the podcast. Uh, we are bringing Carol Mertz into our studio, which is awesome. We're super pumped about it. We've known Carol for two, three. we've known Carol for years. Plural years. Um, a while. She's currently involved in a bunch of a bunch of projects. She works at an indie game studio and a web dev firm. She also has kickstarted and distributed her own uh, card game and designed that whole thing herself. And she's going to be coming on as we're we're kind of we're we're playing with title ideas. We're thinking something like. Catalyst. Uh, her role will be something along the lines of she's going to take over a whole bunch of stuff that Sam currently yeah. does. Uh, so there's going to be lots of community management, marketing, uh, PR, business development, finding new, new ways for us to use our IP. So, you know, if we wanted to do plushies or something like that, uh, that would be Carol would take care of that. So we can do all kinds of cool stuff now once she comes on board. And she's going to be coming on in June. Mm-hmm. Anything else you guys want to say about it's that? It's going to be awesome. Be super it's going g- to be, be super rad. Um, and just for those of you who are who heard about our other job opening, uh, we are still hiring. We're still looking for a what we call a game mechanic. And we have a bunch of information about that over at jobs.bsketch.net. And the reason we're talking about it right now is because this is the last podcast before the registration closes. Yep. It's going to be closing on Friday, May 6th. Or rather, that's the last day, right? Yeah, I think, I think can...
0: we'll probably leave it open on Saturday. Okay. But it's basically...
1: Secretly. Yeah, so those of you listeners and You're in on the future secret.
0: applicants are in on the secret. Yeah.
1: Um, and we've also... So I just want to say something about this position. We've gotten a number of, of emails from people who are interested in applying, but then they say that they, they, you know, maybe lack the confidence in their skills or they aren't totally sure whether they should apply for whatever myriad reason. Um, Just do it. Just, yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, I think you should yeah. probably know by now that we we hire more.
2: We're going to be hiring much more for uh, fit and uh, potential than for actual skill level at the time. We want uh, attitude. Hire. Yeah, you can bring your bring your sassiness to the table. If you're sassy and you feel like you can program games, pick up Game Maker, do some tutorials,
1: and then apply for the job. Yeah, I mean we and we are also we're evaluating candidates in the context of their life. So, you know, if somebody says, hey, I've been making games for 10 years, and then they go through this application process, and if they don't demonstrate any skill at game dev, we're going to be like, well, clearly you haven't quite nailed it. (laughs) Uh, But if somebody says, hey, you know, like, I really want to try this and it's something I've never done, or maybe they're not even a programmer, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're going to weigh that against how they perform on the coding test, for example. And we, I mean, we have had applicants who don't have any programming experience and still did some really cool stuff yeah, in the coding test yeah. um and of course that's more impressive to us than somebody who's been doing it forever and you know barely did anything so uh yeah just apply in the we you know worst case scenario nothing happens yeah don't be self-handicapping and yeah. be like oh, i'm not gonna apply for the job because i might not get it
2: yeah, yeah shut that,
0: up that makes yeah nothing makes less sense than that statement it really doesn't make any sense no nope. yeah so
1: just apply and quit being a weenie mm. Mm. And okay, so let's talk about dying. Okay, so uh, <laughs> so last week we ended up accidentally
2: having a very intense discussion about about this concept of self handicapping and a motivation in general, uh, which kind of spun out of control for the first half of the podcast. But and, it was actually and so now we're like, talking about death. We're gonna yeah we're gonna dive straight in because right. uh, we actually got more sort of community feedback on that little snippet of deep conversation that we had than a lot of the other stuff we talk
1: about. I guess you guys just like us throwing philosophical bullshit around. So we
2: figure what better philosophical bullshit than death. So we're going to dive right in. And the idea here comes from.
0: Although death is real. I just want to. It is super real. Point that out. It is super
2: real. So part of the motivation things come from the fact that you got to realize that you're going to die. You're going to die super hard someday. And up until that point, you can do whatever you want. But at some point you're going to die. Um, and this is this is weird. It's a weird fact to face, and most people actually don't have to deal with it hardly ever. Of course, uh,
1: for us, until to, instantly at some point. Yes, that's exactly right. Or until they're old and like
0: constantly becoming closer to being dead. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, well, I mean, that's
1: always true, but it's more apparent. Yeah, but be, as you yeah, begin- <laughs> it becomes more apparent when like you're when you're literally just falling apart
0: constantly.
2: That's true. So we've of course had our own uh, brushes with it from my cancer diagnosis and the two year bullshit that that entailed. And I read this paper. Uh, a few weeks ago that i thought was super interesting because it actually it produced an even greater impetus to sort of do what you want with your life and to pick up pick up whatever you got and get going and the idea was was about time perception. And so when we consider time perception generally, we think about it with regards to a linear time scale, right? So one year and then a, another year. A year is a year, and a day, day is a day. Right. Uh, yet, while we measure it like that, the reality is that if you talk to pretty much anybody who's over the age of like 40, they'll say something about the fact that it seems like the year's start whipping by by the time you're in middle age and then especially by the time you're essentially like what you would call old uh the years kind of seem to somehow just melt they just keep on going by really fast and so in psychology there's a uh, commonly referenced thing called the just noticeable difference the jnd and it posits that J-N-D- and it's J-N-D- true J-N-D- the JND. it's not a great acronym the yeah. JND uh suggests and a bunch of psych studies have I bore this out, that most human sensations follow a log scale of being able to detect differences. So what that means is if you pick up a five-pound weight and then, a, say, a seven-pound weight, you can pretty much tell the difference between the two. But if you pick up a 100-pound weight and then a 107 or 102-pound weight, for example, so the, the difference, difference is, is the,
0: same. the same. Yet the absolute difference is the same, but the relative difference
2: correct. is small. And so, what humans actually perceive is more about the relative difference in things, and this applies to light, it applies to uh, sound, a lot, decibel levels, all that sort of stuff. So, this psychologist wrote this paper uh, with the idea being that perception of time itself also applies exactly. In same. Would fo- maybe maybe that actually follows the same trajectory? And uh, over this over this past weekend, I went up to Iowa and visited visited the dads of the three of us and asked them for their, their take on this idea, which is that essentially that as you get older, time will feel like it's passing more quickly because each, each given year that you have is actually less of the pie of your whole life. And so as a result, it's experienced as less of that entirety.
1: So the idea would be if you are the, the gap between say age nine and 18 mm-hmm will feel the same to you as the gap between age 18 and 36. Right. So that's one of the ideas he posits. His and then age. 36 to 72. Exactly.
2: And so you, you actually end up stretching out uh, into these, if you were to stretch it out into equivalent buckets of perception of time, then what you end up having is that sort of scale happen, where say from from 9 to 18 is equivalent to 18 to 36, is equivalent to 36 to 72, as is a very rough example. Um, he doesn't say that that's actually what's happening, of course, because you, the problem is you can't empirically measure this. This is just, this guys who sort are of talking about this idea. And uh, the, the interesting, I guess, point about this is if you think about it like that, then the reality is that your time actually goes by much, much quicker than your years would suggest, right? It's not the case that you have, say, 72 years of life. Really, you have like four of these, four, maybe six of these buckets of equal time perception that are roughly the equivalent of like you being from nine to 14, essentially, as far as the density of the memory. Yeah.
1: So I guess, I guess part of this kind of comes down to, I don't know, I don't know if it's about perceiving time or so much as remembering time or something, but yeah. So the idea would be if you're 30 years old and you're looking back on, you know, what your life was like as a 10 year old, that, that distance in time for you is going to feel the same when you're 90 and looking back on when you were a 30 year old old mm-hmm.
0: i'm pretty sure is that i mean that's the idea i'm pretty sure though there's another theory what's that because because i agree it is generally true that that the older people get and this is true for me as well that you look at time passing you're like i'm just whipping by yeah right and it just seems to be going fast i remember
1: i remember when summer vacation which was three months felt like a long time you oh, were just yeah. like i have infinite time i can do any or even an hour like you you know you get off of school at three o'clock or whatever whatever four o'clock yeah. and you'd be like oh, i have the whole evening i can do anything you know now <laughs> yeah. i'm yeah it's not well, the same anymore
2: <laughs> but
0: here's 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 a counter okay here's hit, my counter argument hit me
2: science man uh
0: so and this isn't universally true but it's pretty true that that as you are growing up and developing as a human being the number of things that happen to you and the number of ways that you change as a human being are really, really fast in a short succession at the beginning.
2: Right. So getting like your and first they girlfriend get
0: further and further apart. But even things your like your test. daily life, right? Because if you think about your daily life in like in school, right, you've got like six different classes you go to, where like all of a sudden you're being taught a new worldview in each one. Or you're super and fucking
1: pumped because you get to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch today. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which you don't. We've you've only done like eight times in your life. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Right, so so the things that you're doing so are relatively new. You haven't done them that much. And the diversity of things that you're doing is very high.
2: So you're saying it's a, it's a novelty fuel. It's a novelty fuel well, so, experience
0: because as you get older, yes. you go to college and it's actually the same. And like college for me felt like it was moving pretty fast, but like I... In the moment, it didn't feel like I was going fast. Like I remember it as being fast, but in the moment I was like, Oh my god, I've just mountains of work to do. Yeah. And it felt like I didn't have enough time, but that's because the things that I had to do in college weren't things that you do in 45 minute periods. They were things like there's this entire course where you're, you know, reading one massive piece of literature and writing an epic paper on it. And so my life wasn't divided into 45 minute segments anymore. My life was divided into a fucking three-month segment. Right. Right. And now, and then and then my PhD, it was like divided into a year. Long segments, and now it's divided into game development long segments, which span six One to, six months, months to three years. years. Yep, right. And and those are now those are the milestones, right? Or like or me moving to St. Louis now after being in Dallas for the past seven years, right? right. So, right? so there's, the, so there's the not as much, much turbulence. Stretch. There's just not as much turbulence, and as you get older, like the whole goal of getting older is to basically stabilize your life by generating huge amounts of of or generating as much wealth as you can, buying a house and settling down, having kids and settling
1: down further. But then and the few your new experiences, the you fewer have. new experiences you have. So perhaps, have you, okay. Well, wait, I have to say, yeah. have you guys seen the movie Click? Yeah, I have not, but I know it about is it. the. It was an ambush of sadness. Yeah, and I'm still upset about it. It's an it to Adam this Sandler day. movie, and I remember watching the previews, and they were hilarious. Well, okay, it, was the, it mean, was the
2: first one he did where he went from being just totally goofy to really serious, yeah, and nobody was switch. prepared.
1: I was not prepared. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So when I, when I heard about, when I read this article and heard about this idea of sort of time moving faster, um, I kind of connected it to the idea of, which we kind of talked about last week, but the idea of habit formation and how basically the human brain. Right. You're more autopilot. Yeah. The human brain automates things, the more it experiences them. Right. So the third time you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you're like, Oh my God, you know, but the 330th time, and you
0: didn't even know how to make that peanut butter and jelly
1: sandwich. And like by the time you get into the hundreds of doing the same, same thing over and over in your life um, you just don't even notice it happening the again. marginal
0: utility of that thing is low. Is I lower. have.
1: I mean I have recently made and eaten a sandwich and then not remembered
2: not remembered, remembered it I, I had yeah. to look in yeah. the sink for the dirty silverware to do clarify that thing?
1: <laughs> you ever do that thing where you are in the shower and then all of a sudden like you kind of blank out for a moment and then you're like did I wash my head oh, yeah, yeah. Or, <laughs> the all the time yeah. yeah like oh fuck it I guess I just gotta do it again <laughs> I have no idea or then you like yeah. you go somewhere and you're like, did I put on deodorant today? I have no memory of anything. Yeah, so I don't think it's that you. I don't think it's that you perceive time as moving faster. I think it's that you don't. You're notice just on things, autopilot all the which time. Which is exactly like, that's the actually the premise of that movie is like he gets this magical remote from the Beyond section of Bed Bath and Beyond. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: I don't remember who gives it to him. Some it's
1: the, Christopher Walker. Christopher Walker, I think. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> Of course it is. But he, but he does exactly this, where it's basically like anytime there's a part of his life that he's just kind of tired of doing, he just uses this remote to fast forward it and and just like reappear on the other side of it, having done it sort of on mm-hmm. autopilot. But then the remote starts to learn what he chooses to fast forward and it starts automatically doing it for him. So what
0: you're saying...
1: Is, is the, that is your that brain is already even, doing that? Yeah,
0: yeah. It, that's actually just reality. That's just how
2: it works. Which and is as really sad, sad as it
0: was in that movie, that's how sad you should be <laughs> about
2: your life <laughs> in general right now. <laughs> well, so there's but there's a, there's an interesting there's a cure. There, well, there's a bunch of interesting things here. One is that the striving only toward. Uh, points of security, which is what a lot of us do either in your means job, you're gonna die faster. It actually yeah, it literally means I mean it'll feel like it'll it. feel like you're gonna <laughs> die faster. So that means that you need to build in time to do new stuff for one. Um the other one is and I, I found this interesting from just having from uh doing more sketching from past week, is I find that you really don't you don't you haven't actually seen something, in my opinion, until you've sat down to draw the shit out of it for like thirty minutes. Because the reality is, if you ask most people to draw like someone's face, they'll get like it will be half right. Most people, and this is actually true in a psych study, most people can't actually put all of the keys on a keyboard in the proper order. Despite Adam the fact. can, yeah, Adam's <laughs> keyboard doesn't
1: even have any letters. Oh yeah, uh, it's just
2: it's totally blank. blank. <laughs> but most people actually can't. But I, I can't, can't do
0: it. it. I have to do it by by typing out the letters and like I have to type yeah. them out physically in space and be like, okay, which one goes it's under all this memory. finger? Yeah, it's all muscle memory. So I have to m- make my mom- my My muscles recall the memories to actually find it.
2: Well, there's there's an interesting idea, right? Which is that uh, to like you need to you have to this present idea of of being mindful, which is sort of swept all over the place. I think is a bit of a push against this idea, which is that everyone's always pushing for more and more security. But the reality is that being very secure should really be the foundation for you being kind of a nut about other stuff, right? Like, you get being able to have a house and being able to have, like, a lot of friends and stuff should allow you to take more risks with other activities or, you know, put together a group to go whitewater rafting yeah, or something. there's, there's no
0: point yeah. in security if you then don't get to take risks and use that as
2: a net. Exactly. So security for the sake of security is a bunch of bullshit. And you want to make sure you're always sort of grabbing the next thing and learning something else from it and i think it was interesting talking to the dads about it because kevin said that the last the only new new thing he remembers from this year was going and shooting a bow and arrow in Forest Park here in St. Louis, in the middle of a cold, freezing rain, and I was like, "How was it?" You know, it's one sort of your one milestone from this year. And he was like, "It was miserable," but I, <laughs> but, <I>, but, <laughs> but you remember, <laughs> but you remember it happening, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the thing
1: is, you know, those things stick out in your mind. And the more you do the same stuff over and over again, the less you have to look back on and remember. Right. And you so just don't
2: remember it. And again, this this does come back to what we did. We did talked about this last week with the motivation piece. But I found with with that uh, that element of hitting a good enough point with the art that. I had so, I had stopped pushing myself in a way in a wide variety of ways. And even like just this afternoon I developed an interesting little twist on the art style that we've been using that I actually like a lot. And that's actually based on the sketches that I've been doing the past week. And I feel really good about it and I remember today. It's cool. I made new stuff today. And it's not just new things that look the same as everything else. And I think there's one other other point to this that I want to bring up from a psych standpoint that most people maybe wouldn't uh, think about right away. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between your present self and your remembered self. And there's this interesting problem in psych, and it actually has sort of ethical quandaries associated with it, which is that your present self wants certain things, and your remembered self, your sort of narrative self, wants actually a separate set of things. And the easiest example of this that they did was they found there were two surgery techniques that you could perform on a patient. And they basically gave the patient a little pain dial because they're awake the whole time. And they can, they measure the output of the amount of pain they have, right? So over the course of the operation, they're able to then track the total, like the accumulation of pain, spikes in pain, that sort of thing. Between these two operations, one of them actually caused less pain overall to the present self, right? The person who was moving the thing. Sure. But it ended with a spike. The other operation caused more pain overall, but slowly declined in the amount of pain that was perceived.
0: Wait, wait, Cumulative pain? Correct. Can you just add pain together?
2: Sure, using calculus. But what if it's a logarithmic unit? It might be. It probably is,
0: Perfect. Yeah, so I mean, like, how do you know... I mean, I don't know. ...that the cumulative pain over one was really more pain? And what does that even
2: mean? I don't know. (laughs) But just roll with it for a moment. Okay, I'll roll roll with it. it. So, So continue. So the point is that in one circumstance... You can optimize for uh, a patient literally experiencing less pain during the operation, presently. Just kind of throughout. But the problem is they give. They give worse ratings about the surgery and about the hospital experience than if they get the other surgery, which technically causes them more pain. If we're believing the measurement, maybe, maybe, <laughs> uh, <laughs> technically causes them more pain, but ends in a way that is essentially more more uh, appropriately remembered or remembered more positively by the person. So this time dilation thing is the same thing, right? Because the reality is your moment to moment experience of time doesn't change. Like I don't feel like my moment to moment experience of typing or doing anything it doesn't that doesn't feel faster, but the remember piece does right and so the question is like how do you find something that both you know you don't necessarily want to torture yourself in the present moment to remember stuff i guess is based on kevin's archery moment like you don't want to be standing out in the cold all the time that's
1: right hmm i gotta always end on a
0: high note food for thought yeah from butterscotch
1: okay so the moral of the story is do a bunch of new stuff all the time or you're gonna be instantly dead (laughs) yeah yeah this is pretty much it (laughs) hmm okay well let's get to some questions (laughs) on that note what do we got, Sam? All right.
2: So uh, first question I want to take actually comes from Blake Buck in all caps. Blake Buck, Blake Buck. I,
1: I want to throw out there that anybody whose B scotch ID is in all caps is just nailing it. doing it right. Yeah, you know, doing it right. Live what in, if living life in all caps? What if their
0: scotch ID is all lowercase
2: in all caps? As long as it's not... That would not, be acceptable also. Okay. As long as it's not camel case. But what if it's camel case in all caps? That'd be fine. Camel, camel case in all caps? Yeah. So it's camel the camel word
0: camel case. case, but it's in all caps. <laughs> or it's all this caps, is, <laughs> the word, but in camel case. <laughs> this, is, this
1: is off... This is, reminds me of that uh, rocket jump... Uh, yeah, the Wi-Fi password. password video, which yeah. people should look up. But anyways. Yes. <laughs> uh,
2: so this question comes uh, from the art and motivation stuff from last week... Blake Buck asks, uh, Sam recently spoke of his hangups and considering himself an artist. And I've worked in AAA game dev for five years, but until recently I've never pursued my own project. Do so you have any tips for other artists of utility like yourself? Software, technique, other stuff. Uh, and I want to ask your guys' opinion on it too, because the truth is, so Seth actually did a bunch of art himself for his own projects, probably more so in the capacity you're talking about, because he was programming them at the same time. Whereas I just kind of came on and started doing art by itself. I want to ask Seth about it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's definitely much more fun and enjoyable to make art that feels like it's going to be part of something else. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's much more motivating to be like, Oh, I need to make a character that's running along the ground or, you know, whatever, instead of just drawing something and then being like, well, I did, I drew that and then just walk away, I guess for the Mm -hmm. rest of the day. Um, yeah, so if you actually pick up, try to pick up a little bit of programming or something, it might be
0: so you can bring your work to life. Mm, yeah,
1: because you'll be picking up a new skill as well as you know, and then you'll also give yourself more of a reason to sort of refine your existing skill set with art. And uh, from a personal perspective, I actually did solo game dev for eighteen months before doing anything with a group. And having the understanding of like how art fits together into the game and how to animate things and all that um, was super helpful when Sam came along because Sam hadn't really done that side of things. And so he didn't quite know like how to approach it. But since I had all that experience, then I could kind of like show him how to put the art, the sprites together and stuff, uh, you know, kind of early on. Yeah. And now, of course, he knows everything. But
2: so if but if you already have a programming experience like you might, so we don't when you say you've been a AAA game dev for five years, that could mean a literally things. anything. So, yeah, if we assume that you do know programming already, uh, then just as far as software goes, uh, we, we just use the program Inkscape, which is a free vector program. And the reason I use that is because it's free. having not it's it's free and then also <laughs> having not been able to draw in the past, it acts more like a sculpting tool. So you can make tons of mistakes and just sort of wiggle stuff around until it gets right. And on top of that, the best technique is really just to stop giving a fuck as much yeah. as possible. It's
1: an advanced technique, though.
2: Yeah, it does. It, weirdly it takes practice. Takes well, You can listen to the song by John LaJoey. What is that called? I think it's called uh, Fuck Everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or is it uh, just called I Don't Give a Fuck? No, or that's a different one. That's, uh, by, that's my by George Watsky. all oh, right yeah. so listen to, Yeah,
2: listen to John the Joey's I Don't Give a Fuck, and then Watsky's... No, other way. Or, yeah, John the Joey's... Fuck Everything. Fuck Everything. <laughs> and, and <laughs> Watsky's I Don't
1: Give a Fuck, and then... Also, and then John the
0: Joey's I Started as a Baby. There's
1: yeah. also a great book called The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck. <laughs> I'm yeah. serious. That is a book. Have you read it? I have. It's pretty good. Is it pretty good? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to give a fuck, but whatever. <laughs>
2: But yeah, so I, I would suggest honestly listening to those songs and sort of taking the idea, just take just take it in. let open yourself up and let the lack of fucks fill you like with like nothing. With nothing. In a in we'll a just base. make stuff. Yeah, just start making stuff because... uh Cause who once gives you, a fuck? Well, who gives a fuck? And once <laughs> you start loosening up about it and you don't worry so much uh, about the overall quality, you'll start making weird and interesting things, and then you can kind of repeat that from there. So that's that's my best my best advice that I could give. Nice. Thanks. Um, okay, this one comes from Map5597, who asks, what is the most complicated programming problem each of you has had to implement? <laughs> 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 And uh, which one was, which was the most complicated programming problem, and which was the most fun?
1: Okay, action. I have an unconventional answer. Seth, okay. go. Okay. Every programming problem that you solve is probably the most complicated one at the time. And then in retrospect, it was super easy. <laughs> <laughs> because That's none of it makes, none of it makes any goddamn sense until it's done. And then you're like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. Like with Crashlands, I had to learn how to use Perlin noise. And I spent a week reading articles and trying to like figure out what people were saying about it. And then at one point, it, it kind of clicked. And I was like, okay, I think I get the basic concept. But I'm just going to ignore all the details that people have thrown into these articles. Because it's super confusing. Uh, and then I just created my own version of it. And then it was actually really straightforward. But it took a week for me to get to a point where it was really, really simple and easy to understand. Isn't it so. the case that when you're
2: doing that, you there was some part of the equation that everyone's like... And this leads to, and they just skipped something yeah. that was sort of once integral? again.
1: It's like that that goddamn that you know. Here, draw two circles. Now draw the rest of the owl. You know, like, <laughs> right. like what's what's going on in the middle there? They're like the important bits. Uh, but yeah, so right now I think the complicated program or programming issue that I'm working on is uh, local multiplayer over right. over wireless network over home network, which um, does
2: answer one of the other questions, which is, are we going to make a multiplayer game? Yep. Yep. Yeah, we yeah we're talking we're, about it. Cune brunch.
1: Yeah, um, That's I'm yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk too much about the details as far as what the game mechanics are gonna be because they're really in flux right now. But what I'd like what I'd like to do is still do the cross platform thing where you know it would be released on mobile and PC and whatever. Um, but because we can do this sweet uh, same game on multiple device configurations thing. We want to try to get it to where you can like play it on your phone with somebody who's playing it on a PC on the same network which would be super cool. Super cool. No promises. I mean, but like that is working and that's easy to do. It's mostly a question of will the game be good?
0: Yeah, the game, (laughs) it's a a game problem. The game has to be very playable on both of those
1: Yeah, it's
2: not a tech problem. It's a design problem. Can I just say that, so going back to one of your early points about this uh, this vagueness that sort of inhabits a lot of tutorials and things when it comes to trying to do something uh i think there's a good stand-up guy where he's talking about the laziest writing is when they say and one thing led
1: to another and yeah. I just, like, <laughs> like how fa- it's a story <laughs> like in that's, that case that's what just existing means like, yeah everything leads to another thing and it's just hilarious and i feel like that does happen a lot in tutorials and stuff and you got to figure out how to yeah. fill the gap on that yeah well but. the other difficult part is of course the tutorial is written by somebody who for them it's a simple thing it's because they understand it <laughs> And it's just like how you, when you design a game and you automatically tend to make it much harder than it needs to be because you've played it and you understand how everything works. And then you put it in the hands of a new player and they have just no clue what to do and they just suck and they just die a whole right. bunch. You know, it's the same thing with everything. All right, Adam, what about you?
0: Actually, the, that's a good answer. I mean, it's it would be the same because I was looking back and I was like, I don't, I can't think of anything complicated I've done. But it, I've done a lot of stuff that was definitely complicated.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah. once you've done it, you're like,
0: okay. Yeah. <laughs> never mind. My, maybe speaking of this whole memory. <laughs> and then you hurdle toward right? oblivion
2: even faster. <laughs>
0: well, but I mean, the last part of each one of those things I remember is when it was done. Yep. Right? yep. That was the note that I ended on. Yeah. And so I don't remember the pain of not understanding how it works. So you're
2: saying that you've never gotten perma stuck on anything.
0: If I have, I didn't give a shit. Yeah, I, don't right. give a fuck. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did something else. You're like, wow, well, I'm stuck on this tactics.
1: problem. I don't give a fuck. I'll just keep working on it. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's <laughs> it hasn't been the case that I can re, that I can really think of that I've been confronted with a problem that I didn't eventually figure out or find a workaround that was sufficient.
2: Most it's, of the time, it's workarounds, like the whole yeah, banana arms situation. Yeah
0: yeah well even i was making a piece of software last night uh for for sam just like a little utility software and there was something i really needed to do that i really needed to be a property of the program i was using and it just didn't have that property and i like banged my head on it for half an hour and all of a sudden i was like you know there's a dumb way to do this
1: let's do it the dumb, <laughs> and I did it
0: the dumb way and it's sufficient i like, love the idea of a yeah. workaround
1: because the idea of a workaround implies like you have point a and b there's clearly a straight path between yeah, them for right some reason, there's some, some point the there's something in the way and you're like Like, just go around it. Yeah, the reality is, (laughs) yeah,
2: when you come into across an obstacle, you got you got a couple options, right? You can brute force your way through it. You can devise some method to sort of leap over it, or you can just maybe. Just go around just walk it, walk around it. Just Get pretend like it's not there. The walls
1: don't go on forever. Very rare. Yeah. And I mean, really, it, you know, yeah. yeah, okay, it's not the optimal path. It's going to take a little bit longer, a little bit more leg work. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> now we should say that if you're working in an industry like uh,
0: aviation,
1: you should probably give a
0: fuck.
2: You should probably give a fuck. Yeah, nah, even then, I got some. Fr- I have some friends who do aviation for stuff and you'd be shocked at the amount That's of true. not yeah. giving a fuck that goes on not to make you feel unsafe when you're in an autopilot. but you should be terrified <laughs> <laughs> yeah you should remember every time you use anything always some human design oh, that so thing, wait. can i tell you
0: and that person didn't know what they were doing and they probably use workarounds. i was yeah.
2: walking down the road yesterday and you will not fucking believe what i saw
0: um i'm wait i take a guess a goat ghost <laughs> That is, so, that is so shockingly unrelated I, I wouldn't believe it which was I think the requirement
2: I did not see a goat
0: ghost that would have been well, amazing is this going to be better than goat ghost wait is it ghost goat or goat ghost it's a goat ghost what's the oh actually let me think about that ghost goat goat, goat. goat. goat ghost which one's, the, which one's, the, the, one's s- the adjective goat or ghost <laughs> I think actually a ghost goat and a it goat can ghost, ghost. Can we get some same English same majors
1: thing. to write in and let us know, is it goat ghost or ghost?
0: It's got to be the same thing. All right, so I was walking down the
2: goddamn road. <laughs> but what if it was a goatly ghost versus a ghostly ghost? Shut your ghost. Those are different. <laughs> Adam, you gotta be—you got to be kidding me. The, <laughs> <laughs> go, go on, Sam. What's your, uh, what's your situation? Anyway, so I was walking down the road, and there's a mower going okay a mower yet there's no one riding this mower it's basically a mower So Roomba. you saw
0: a ghostly goat no I saw mowing
2: it. there may have been a goat a goes to top of it but there is a there is a robot mower mowing someone's lawn
0: that's literally a death machine
2: it is but it had no like motor yeah I think it was just a kind of like, as you push like when I got the push mower thing the manual. So it made very little noise. So it's just creepy. So it was silent and deadly. And my favorite part about it was it was clearly like super dumb. And I'm not sure how it had mapped <laughs> <laughs> while we were watching while we were watching this poor robot just doing its thing. Uh it it like bumped into a bunch of stuff and then turned and it had gone over the same like little stripe of path clearly like four times <laughs> and then it almost drove into the street and like detected that it was about to fly off the curb and then turned and then didn't quite turn enough. It was just hilarious to watch and the dog, Jocko got very sort of antagonistic with this thing too. So it was this weird robot organic creature square off situation. I like to
1: imagine that the mower was kind of sad that it, it, couldn't, like... that it couldn't do a very good job. You know
2: that situation in, a, in Rick and <laughs> Or you should be with
1: the the, the, butter, the robot? butter robot. Yeah, oh, Tell him yeah. about that. Tell him the, the butter
0: story. robot. I w- no, I'll just just watch Rick you and Morty. You should watch Rick and Morty. But there, here's a here's a real life example mm. of this though. The which one is it? I, want, I believe the Curiosity rover. Every mm-hmm. year on its birthday, it sings itself "Happy Birthday" <laughs> <laughs> all by its fucking
1: self. Oh, nice. And of course, the birthday song doesn't carry very far because there's almost no, no atmosphere. So just like,
0: just picture that in your mind as
2: a little robot, it's a
1: little bubble of song
2: around it.
0: Yeah, just making that. Like, and if you were like, you like imagine being miles away, just like hearing it faint, faintly. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining
1: that it's in a minor key, and that it, it sounds like wally yeah, it's, it's got to sound sad like wall shit. <laughs> It's Yeah, amazing. and that they never programmed it to do that.
2: All right, so this uh, next question comes from Gafferman, which is What's Gafferman. the most interesting game mechanic you've experienced in a game? What about not in a game? Can we go there real quick?
1: Ooh, game mechanic in real life? Yeah. So legislation is basically various rules. I was going to go with
0: Goatly Ghost Driver. Yeah, laws
1: Laws are patch notes yeah. for society. So
0: no, they're patches. What's yeah. the most
2: interesting game mechanic you've experienced in real life or in a video game? And or. In real life. I'll answer the video game one while you guys mull over the real life one real quick. How's that? Okay. So, I think as far as recently, I really liked, though it felt a little gimmicky, but very cool, the super hot mechanic, which uh, took the FPS and just made it so that while you were... Time only moved while you moved, which is also a weirdly easy thing to explain to someone, even though it makes zero fucking sense. <laughs> so uh, if you haven't played that, at least watch some videos of it because people pull off some extreme Ninja Matrix stuff, which is super fun to watch.
0: But yeah, yeah, I mm. would say so to the, to the actual game game mechanic. These would both be cliche, probably, but when they happened, without a doubt, they were phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So those would be Portal. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, there was nothing like that at that time, except for the game that it was sort of based on. But uh, Narbacular Drop. Narbacular Drop, which I also played while I was waiting for Portal to come out. I Uh, did the
1: same thing. mm -hmm. Yep was good.
0: And uh, and then the other one would be Braid. Because there have been other games that have done similar kind of time mechanic things, but nothing that close to that well. Right. And and it just crushed it so hard that that... And, and you know, thinking of puzzle design from that kind of a mechanic perspective, like, I would never want to do that in my entire life.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've tried to make a puzzle game in the past, and it, it didn't pan out for me. Project, or anyone. Project actually. 87. Project, oh, yeah. Project 87. I think I have, thought it's still floating around on the internet. Didn't it get
0: somewhere. translated into Japanese for some reason? reason and like yeah
1: i got approached by a, a company and they're like hey we'll, we'll translate it into japanese and i was like all right and then they did and now it's for sale in japan i don't know how it's doing because i haven't collected any royalty checks
2: <laughs> you should i haven't should asked send a man an email about
1: that i mean i assume it's huge in japan I don't, yeah i mean obviously i don't
2: know yeah project said
1: for me a real life game mechanic that's really interesting is electricity mm. because i i don't fully understand it yet i feel like it has a lot of depth
2: i feel like fire is <laughs> sort of the same for me you know yeah like what's it doing what
1: the what's fuck it, what's going on there what it just destroys i feel like
2: <laughs> what but
1: you can also put meat on it and make and hamburgers. <laughs> Yeah. If contained, it's your friend.
2: If uncontained, it's your worst enemy. It's yeah. got Electric- an yeah, it.
1: like yeah, electricity will will kill you and it shoots out of the sky, but also it somehow like makes computer screens go and like we're turning our voices into electricity right now and then we're going to put that into some other electricity, send that over a bunch of wires and then other people are going to hear us talking because of electricity. Yeah. I don't understand any of this.
0: It is very cool. I guess For me, I'd have to say the game mechanic is is programming other people with my words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can just just,
1: make people react and do stuff.
0: Yeah. The the fact is, like, anytime you talk to somebody... You're controlling their fucking mind, and of course, anytime they talk to you, they're doing the same thing. So well, it's trade off. There's some
1: give and take. There's there. give and take. Yeah. I mean, we're all.
0: But the thing is, well, because that's how social stuff works, right? So the fact is, you can do, you can accomplish anything you want to by just programming other people by slapping your. This little like meat thing. Slapping and your, your meat and your tubes. your together. Your meat tubes just like <laughs> flappy-flap. And then all of a sudden somebody else is like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go do this thing you just requested.
1: You're like, hey, uh, could you uh, grab me a, a, a cup of tea yeah, real quick? it's pretty... And would be like, sure. And then it's pretty now weird. you have tea. Yeah. Uh, but then... <laughs> To
0: extend that, you can just you can make anything around you happen pretty much just by talking to other humans about it. Yeah.
2: Pretty weird. It's just super weird. Yeah. I think uh, for me, I like to think of the social social mechanics. So, you know, your your various quiet rules for interacting with people, which I think are always fun to, to pay attention to. And the best one of course is that from a just from a psych perspective too, is that if you mimic someone else's behavior, even just a little bit in a conversation, then they like you more. Yep. right. match their tone, their... It's a little like match
1: three puzzler
2: every day of your life. <laughs> what,
1: you do it subconsciously. Are there any psych studies about what happens when you crush someone's hand into powder when you shake their hand? Do they like you more when that happens? I think... I have generally not liked it when that happens to me. There are some...
2: <laughs> some people take that idea of having a firm handshake just a little too fucking far. Yeah, there's a, there's a
1: difference between firm and, like, vice grip, mm-hmm. you know? there's a There's a line there, and you don't want to cross it. Yeah. Our next question comes from Racing for the Finish, and this is about the game mechanic
2: position. Given that it's been up for the world to apply to you for two weeks now, have there been any surprises or fun stories that come up related to the game mechanic position? Um, yeah. We, we can be
1: can, careful what we We can't say. share most things. Yeah. No. I I can speak generally. The thing that has actually really surprised me the most... And I, I did not, ex- I mean, I kind of thought this might happen, but it was a weird, wild guess. Uh, is that people with a lot of programming experience are having a really hard time with Game Maker? And well, maybe it's w- just yeah. your code. Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's basically the, the more experience somebody has with traditional programming. Um, the harder time they seem to be having with uh, with the programming test. Yeah, and inversely, people with no programming experience aren't having too much trouble at all. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's. uh did not really expect that to be the case.
0: Yeah, well, kind of did, but I, just not to that to the extreme that we've seen it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You'd think that somebody who who could think like a programmer, who's trained that way, yeah, would be able to sort of you know parse it out and figure out how things work, and then yeah, you know, adapt think to though, the system.
0: I mean, I think because since most programmers know lots of languages and they've been exposed to lots of different stuff, I think it's probably true that given some, cause it's a, it's a very time constrained coding mm-hmm. test that we, that we have in this thing. I think given some more time, like, you know, like a few days of like real, real world work, I think they'd get over those hurdles probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, having that, short they would have a window, much higher
1: skill cap out of the gate than somebody who doesn't right. have any programming. Yeah, right.
0: experience. So, so they'll have like a, they'll have a, st- yeah, exactly. Cause like what we saw from the people who didn't have much programming experience was their peak performance. Yes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. What we saw from people who were good programmers was actually like on the low, like far on the low end of their experience, probably. Yeah. Uh, which actually it was, cause it's interesting. Cause that means it was, it wasn't as good of a test as we kind of thought it was mm-hmm. probably on the other hand. Maybe it was cause we were testing for lots of things. With we're testing devices. for
1: lots of other yeah. things. Because it's yeah, it's a it's a totally self directed coding test. It's it's not like we say solve this problem. I mean we're just handing a game to people and being like make it better. Yeah, I think the the thing that's been surprising to me about the whole process is I mean I think we've had a we've had a really high
2: number of what seem like really high quality candidates. Which is really cool and kind of surprising since we didn't spread the net out too far. And on top of that, the reading of the essays, so there's there's this idea that you, anything you do, like how you walk, what art you choose for your house, how your handwriting looks, sort of splatters your personality around a little bit, right? And so if you this is the reason why the idea of metadata is is super obviously dangerous because you're sort of
0: <laughs> yeah you can learn a lot about a person just from without looking, actually looking at them.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so having people answer even just a series of essay questions and then also looking at their, say, a cover letter that they chose to write and the choices they made in these things, you actually, you start getting a really interesting sort of whole vibe of a person pretty quickly. Yeah. And how
0: they, and how they frame problems.
2: Yeah. It's very interesting. So I've been, yeah. I've been enjoying that a lot. Uh, well, and
0: also uh, how, and we were talking about this a little bit too, how the the person that someone presents themselves to be.
1: Uh, wears off over it time. It wears off
0: over time. So like. Because we have, it's a pretty extensive uh, application process that takes place over over days at (laughs) at the fastest, right? Um, For for most people right now, it's been like basically a couple weeks, Uh, and of course that's not like full time working on it. It's just doing a piece on one day and then three days later doing another piece. Um, But people aren't maintaining the what they showed us at the beginning.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything that we are doing in this application process has been thought out with the the pure end goal of determining who each applicant really is and what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. And one of, one of those aspects is the longer you expose yourself to, you know, we figure like anybody can sort of put on a mask, like a social mask and sort of blend in with a crowd and uh, you know, really like take a lot of time and double check what they say and their grammar and everything. But the more things you ask them to do and the longer you're exposed to that person, the more their true personality starts it's to show through, they become, yeah, the, they've become more authentic. Um, and that's really the, the whole point of like why this application process is that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's
0: been very interesting. It's fun. Yeah. fun. Yeah. It's been, it's been funny yeah.
1: to see like people who took a lot of time on the essays clearly in terms of, you know, uh, making sure that everything was meticulous, grammar-wise, and everything. And by the time they get further along in the process, it's just like your little hair <laughs> <down, laughs> It's just wild. Done. It's just wild, frantic typing. You yeah, know? it's it's funny. It's interesting.
2: All right. Next question comes comes from Olna reverne and this is an interesting one, which I'll explain the concept of to you guys. Uh, so the question is, what about the quote "no sales promise" label? It kind of sounds like what you're willing to do, which is not putting on crashlands lands on sale for a while. Uh, And so the the rough idea of the no sales promise is some indie developers came up with this, where it's basically a price tag that you put on your game that says, like it's an icon of a price tag that says no sale, which basically just means it's not going to go on sale for, I think the rules are, it's supposed to be like a generic standard. So you'd put this on your game if you're not going to put it on sale for like six months or something like
1: that. Yeah, Um, Well, yeah, you're supposed to put an expiration date on the no sale tag. Yes, that's right, right. Uh, So you basically say,
2: I'm not going to put it on sale until November or whatever the hell. And they are trying (laughs) to sort of like pull a bunch of people onto this this thing. And I I wanted to hear what you guys thought of that, the general concept and what implications it might have for any given indie developer.
1: I think this would only conceivably do anything, if it did anything, if the promise was no sale forever. Yeah. Because as soon as you go... I'm not putting this game on sale until November. Then everybody's going to be like, <laughs> I'll just wait till November.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think if, if someone is unwilling to buy your game the first time they hear about it, which will probably be around launch day, right? Because they want to wait until it's on sale. That person will literally wait forever right. and until it's on sale and more importantly they're going to forget about your game within a week if they haven't already bought it and played it because the entire world will forget about your game a week after it launches like i it's fucking unbelievable how quiet the world is about crashlands right now right? Yeah. there yeah. are right now about 4 million people most of them pirates who have, <laughs> who have installed and played crashlands and and several and a couple hundred thousand uh, who I guess what, yeah we have a couple hundred thousand scotch IDs like people mm-hmm. who like liked it enough to log into the game right and we had a flurry of activity right at right at launch and in a couple weeks after and now it's just just
1: oh, dead we so get cr- almost people are just they played it they enjoyed yeah, and then they moved it on it basically doesn't exist <laughs> which, which is, is fair i mean it's not a it's yeah. not a we often use the term hobby game which is something like, you know, League of Legends or Warframe, MMO, Warcraft. you know, kinds of game. basically games where you build up a big social network inside the game. And then you just, every, like it becomes your hobby. So every day you come back and you keep playing the same game over and over again. Yeah. And Crashlands just is not that it wasn't designed to be that it's a single player experience. It has an ending. So once you're done with it, you just don't have anything to talk about yep. with people. Yeah. So. And
0: so what that means is not only, so, so basically everyone forgets about your game, right? And so if, if when they saw your game, you're like, oh, I'm not gonna put this on sale for a long time. They'll just be like, OK, I guess I'll buy it far in the future. But it doesn't matter because whether it's three months or a year, the person has forgot about your game for that entire period of time.
2: Right. The weird thing about this to me is I asked myself after seeing it, I was like, what problem, what imaginary problem is this solving? Because yes, games go on sale pretty quickly, but the reality is, so I I think it it kind of, it points to the fact that a lot of players view devs and indie devs still in the same bucket as being like greedy in some regard, when of course in reality most people are just floundering around trying not to die, and so the, like the no sales promise to me seems like it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like an ethical hedge, right? Where you're like, look, we're not putting this on sale because we believe in whatever call it the game, or like we're not going well, to. People- I don't
0: even think. But I don't even think because I, I mean, I certainly there are going to be some players who are like going on sale is just a money grab because they love using that word anytime they're annoyed. Anytime somebody. somebody makes money. Anytime somebody makes money. <laughs> Uh, but the vast majority of players, it seems to me, don't have any sort of like emotional attachment whatsoever to a negative one, to a sale. They're just like, fuck yeah, now I can get this game cheap. Yeah. Right? It seems to me the only purpose of having a no sale promise is just to tell people too bad you're not going to be able to get this game cheap like you can with all other games in the next three months.
1: Right. So you should just buy it full So you should
0: just buy it
1: or too bad. Yeah. The question is, if people would people turn around and then be, and then just bite I guess the yeah, yeah, thing for mean, this me i'm is, like Nuh. i doubt it it
0: doesn't I, make a positive like this Promising not to give a sale to your players is not a positive promise.
1: Right. I guess that's what's weird
2: about it. Yeah. And it, it certainly caters to that that one extremely vocal and annoying group of people who were like, oh, it's on sale, you money grabbing. and I bought it last week. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you and these, these are the people who, when you like, launch your game and you're pumped about it and you go talk about it on Reddit, you know, nobody will talk to you except for these people. Because these are the people who are super pumped about new games, and these people will tell you this is this is all bad. It's bad if you do this, it's bad if you do that. When the fact is they're representing a very small minority
2: opinion it's actually great for your game to go on sale yeah yep
0: because then more people will buy it more people will play it and as long as that sale price still can provide as long revenue. As, yeah.
1: as long as you don't do something like put it on sale for eight cents yeah that's too that's too much that's by too eg
0: much putting sale. it into a bundle yeah
1: don't, don't be pay. wary of bundles don't bundle it yeah
0: ever
2: ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> all right next question comes from gafferman again gafferman again who asks, how do you feel about using Kickstarter and or Patreon to fund creative work, game development in particular? And is that something you'd make use of in the future? I hate it. Why do you hate it? I got, I'll
0: get Wait, mixed. do you, do you hate
1: the idea <laughs> of it or do you hate the idea of doing it? Mm. I hate the idea of doing it. Okay. I'm, I'm cool with people using Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to, do, I don't want to use Kickstarter. I mean
0: But I guess as a corollary. Yeah. If that's the right word, how many Kickstarters have you backed?
1: Mm, maybe like four. How many Patreons
2: have you backed? One. Yeah. But what, what about you? What do you got what are you going for? I what? have backed I think like eight or nine Kickstarters. Okay, it's actually a good number and two because
0: well, what i'm getting at here is what's your point Adam? is even if you're not like actively hostile towards it you clearly aren't really into it as a thing like you know you that's not a way that you as a consumer used to support creative works yeah well
1: uh, to me to me it all comes down to what it's all for and yeah, uh, there are there are a lot of Kickstarter projects. Let's see, how do I put this? Having the ability to to sell an idea really well without having anything actually done. Um, allows you to get to blow projects dramatically out of scope. Yeah. On sure. Kickstarter. And you see this time and time again, like there was a, a game. I'm going to use that term super loosely, not in like walking simulator <laughs> sense, but in like, it was more of a game mechanic yeah. uh, that was put up by uh, Neil Stevenson, who is mm-hmm. the author who made Ream
0: and a jillion other of the best books. And this
1: covers. is an eloquent guy. You know, like when he talks, you're and like really smart. Yeah. When he speaks, you're like, Ooh, I feel <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> it doesn't matter what he's saying. Yeah. And and he decided that the problem with modern gaming was the fact that anytime there's sword fighting, it's not realistic. I don't know what that means, but that was the problem that he was trying to it's solve. Very,
2: it's very it's extremely specific. It's a problem. real specific
1: problem. But the way he presented it in his Kickstarter video, it was like I watched it and I was like, This is a problem. <laughs> we need as a society, we need to do something about this. And his video was fantastic, had great production yeah, value. I um, and they had this big list of, you know, things that they needed to raise money for, for their Kickstarter. Cause they were going to make a game. It was all about sword fighting. And sure enough, they raised, I don't know, a million and a half dollars or something. Um, and they burned through their funding in like six months. Cause they just hired a shit ton of people. Um, and then the project was canceled. Right. <laughs> and it's like, it, it makes it really easy to sort of throw these pie in the sky ideas out there because the, the more grand it sounds and the more convincing you are about it, right. about the, like your confidence in doing it, uh, the more willing people are to give you money. But you know, it does, well, it, it, it means man. like you can operate well outside of your actual personal limits. Yeah, I was, yeah, because on the
0: yeah, on those exact same lines, because it democratizes the process, which isn't a bad at all inherently a bad thing. It's, add, it's actually it a adds, bad thing.
2: to me it adds a separate set of constraints that people I think don't necessarily you know it's it's the whole like stepping out of the frying pan into the fire like it, you're in
0: yeah well it allows it allows basically two ignorant parties mm-hmm. to to sort of believe that something can be accomplished that actually neither of them really know anything about or could accomplish right because. Because there's gonna be. you Are you saying
1: worst case though? In the worst case, yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. In the it, worst it allows case. for that to happen. It allows it's for, not. That's not what. Always well, it's not happens. even
0: allows for it to happen. It's it makes it easy to happen. Yeah. And and this is why because it, it, whether it's just a matter of scope, which I don't think that was only, the only problem here, uh, but it's mostly a matter of like just what a realistic goal for that thing is, mm-hmm. right? Because if you have like take take Double Fine Studios, if they go to do a Kickstarter and say, hey, we want to crowdfund a game you can believe they're going to make a game sure and, and they've done it the they've maybe. done it a lot yeah. yeah and they've done it a few times and in the end like of course some handful of people are really angry about it but That's overall <laughs> yeah overall <laughs> if they come to us and they say we, we you know we have a track record of making games they've made some of the best games and they kickstart it all the people who fund it love games and believe in their studio and that can come together and work really amazingly but you can also have somebody who's never made a game ever who makes a really great pitch like the one that you just New described yep. and they make that pitch to an audience who are not game developers mm-hmm. they're just people who love video games and would love to see that that vision come and true if, and if this
1: person is a well-known person who's yeah. accomplished people right. aren't thinking this guy's never made a game no. they're just <laughs> thinking so they can't evaluate I like this it yeah. right
0: well yeah and so there's the some reason that you have all these people who are unvaccinated right is because they look at somebody who they respect for some reason that person spouts something that they have mm-hmm. no right spouting Anything
2: about it's right, we just linked Kickstarter to anti vaxxers. You, <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Folks. You're welcome, internet. Uh,
0: yeah, actually, so I, I do like
2: Kickstarter. Yep.
0: But I I like it for hardware based
2: projects. Yes, I like I mean yeah. I, so things I, that
0: require material goods because those are so expensive to produce that if someone has already prototyped it mm-hmm. and they just need funding to need, generate
2: yeah.
1: it,
0: that to me like that's the perfect, absolute perfect use for Kickstarter because you can you can believe it has a chance of coming to fruition. Although of course we've, there are many examples of it not, but the problem there is very obvious and precise. And it's about money. That's
1: the problem. Yes, they've got the product ready to go. They just yeah. have no means of they ha- they can't pr- they don't have produce- the ca- a whole it. bunch of it.
0: But I think there are so many problems that are up on Kickstarter where they're basically taking an unsolved problem and saying, we want you to give us money so that we can solve this problem. Maybe. But it's not solved yet. But yeah. you need get a
1: sweet t-shirt. <laughs>
0: yeah. And anytime you have an unsolved problem and there's so much unknown, then you just never know if it's actually yeah, gonna I think the out. interesting
2: thing about it is I think a lot, of, a lot of creatives and a lot of artists artists in particular approach either Kickstarter or Patreon as platforms through which they don't have to sell what they're doing yeah, um, and I think that's it's such an erroneous way of thinking. I think it often leads to to a trap where people get into it thinking that it's going to like it's going to go really well. I mean, you see a lot if you go look at Patreon, like the the general power curve you're going to see on Patreons is is immense. Like you have yeah, the people, vast
0: vast majority make probably less than ten bucks a month.
2: Yeah, and. You can't just put it up there and then not talk about it. You can't not. It's it basically the reason I the one thing I think it bothers me about both the platforms. is I think people don't necessarily have a mature sense of what it means to to actually successfully be on this platform. Because, it, yeah. yeah, for both of them, they actually require they require as much selling of the thing you're doing as if you were to actually be able to put it in a storefront.
0: To go back to, to last week's episode, mm-hmm. it actually allows you to, It's it's it can be seen as, and I'm not saying this is how it always works by any stretch, but it can easily be used as a self-handicapping mechanism because sure. it's so easy to start a Patreon. It's less easy, but fairly easy to start a Kickstarter, not, not get one to work, but to start one. Just to
1: put one up. To put
0: one up. And... Uh, and then doing so feels like you've done something really legitimate, mm-hmm. right? And taking,
1: it seems like you've
2: taken a big
0: step. It seems perhaps. like
1: you've taken a big Make step. Make a couple Facebook fact, posts, put out some backer yeah. updates, boom. Right. When in fact you're in fact, invisible.
0: Yeah, you're so. you're completely invisible. And that step alone, you shouldn't even consider actually part of the process. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the conduit by which you pull in money for whatever the thing is. But it's not the platform. Is that even the way yeah. to say it? Yeah. Uh, like treating it as a platform for selling your idea or for raising money or whatever is actually the wrong and so so then, so then it allows you to put it up and be like oh, I'm just, I'll just see how I can do and then if you make 10 bucks a month you can say well, yeah, oh, I just yeah, I didn't put much yeah, work I into think it the other right?
2: thing that I find very interesting about about Kickstarter in general is that I think it it has a sort of a depressive, it can have a depressive effect on, on people when they don't make it. Yeah. When in reality, and there's a, there's a lot of a lot of factors that go into like not making a Kickstarter go. And one of the big ones is setting your price correctly, right, because of course yeah. in Kickstarter, you don't get any of the money. It's different than Indiegogo, which of course you get however much you raise. But with Kickstarter, if, you, if it's the case that you sort of like overblow how much money you think it's gonna cost to do something, if it's the case that you do that with your own money, right, so there's no Kickstarter involved, you have the X amount of dollars that you think you need And then you actually spend, say, a third of it and get the project done. That's a huge win, and you feel like a million bucks. If it's the case that happens on Kickstarter, you're fucked, right? And I think that's really... And so there's a whole other edge to it. Where like you have to be really good, actually, at, at the production side of getting the work completed, and know actually exactly what your costs are. Because if you don't, you have two edges to fail on there. One is asking for way too much when you don't need that much, and the other one is actually asking for too little. And both of those happen a lot. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is like when so you're approaching the Kickstarter, these isn't even
0: sufficient if you were lucky enough to have it right, or go
2: or it's the case that you're you ask just for like an overblown amount. And I think that's the interestingly dangerous thing to me is because you're 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 asking people who again, are the people who who make the thing. They're the artists, uh, they're the, the game makers, whatever else. They're the people who who their whole job is to make the thing, not to think about selling it. And so when you have to put a price tag on the whole experience, suddenly, in my opinion, they're not necessarily the most experienced people at putting an appropriate price tag on that, which introduces just a whole nother, a whole nother vast realm of risk to the operation, I think. Well, and not only that, but it, it also see.
1: adds, it has a, an entire new dimension to selling a thing. So like if you make a game on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. uh and you want to raise the funds for it it's not the same as developing the game and then just selling it because when like when we sell copies of Crashlands we don't also need to you know mail somebody a t-shirt or yeah. send them a signed poster yeah. or like promise to put them in the credits like we just send them the game the end no no extra personal time goes into sure. other than making the game with Kickstarter, with the way that backer rewards tend to be set up, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a dangerous thing in the sense of people can really screw it up. Oh, yeah. it could add, I mean, it adds a lot of, it not just adds a lot of logistics overhead that you can
2: screw up just with that. It's just human hours. Think, but yeah, but yeah. even, even the thing It like, cuts
0: a lot of your money out from, yeah, like,
2: there's, there's tons of, uh, uh, postmortems mortems on, on something like Gama Sutra and just like around the internet for different projects where people promise things in their backer rewards that they then, by, by producing them, ended up eating into their ability to finish the project, right? Because like they needed to make the shirt and they end up making the shirt in order to appease the backers rather than making the product at the end of the day and then they run out of cash. So there's like, and I I love the idea. I think it's, it's the same thing where it's just, it's another actually very hard thing to do correctly and you see that by just the raw numbers. I can't remember with the percentage of actual Kickstarter projects that get back, but it's like 30% or something like that. It's so only like a third. Yeah, it's you know? not that high. And it then probably only, goes down every month. Yeah, and then only about a fifth it's of those. It's the Kickstarter apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> <And then laughs> there, only like a fifth of those actually come to fruition at any point. Like they That actually get finished. And so, obviously, it's super hard. And I think when people approach it with a sort of nonchalance, like they could just put their thing up either on, on Kickstarter or on Patreon, it, it, well, it's not, not going it, to go.
0: But yeah. nonchalance isn't even, I mean, you can approach it very seriously. But if you approach it, wrong well <laughs> <laughs> sure. yeah, it's, yeah it, there's yeah, a million ways to do it wrong uh and, and then just end up with nothing. And I, and I think I think we're all saying we're all we're all basically agreeing that there's nothing inherently wrong with any of these. And in fact, oh, yeah. it's great that they are options. It's for, just real
1: easy to fuck it people. up. It's
0: just really <laughs> easy to fuck it up and to
2: <laughs> interpret that the wrong way. Yes. Yeah. To fuck it up and then be like, oh, I guess this is worthless.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. like a great example would be, you know, if you have like, let's say you have a, a reward tier at like fifty bucks or something, and then you're like, I'm gonna add another tier at seventy five, and you get a t shirt if you back at seventy five. But if that t
0: shirt costs probably fifteen dollars to produce yeah, if it costs
1: you fifteen bucks to produce the shirt another five Five bucks to ship it, the price difference for you between a $55 and $75 backer is $5, right? Yeah, And now and you now have to, to do, do all this extra work to get this t-shirt put together, you, you know, know, like there's so many pitfalls in just putting these campaigns together. That well, not
0: only that, but if you, but the rewards can compete with each other, right? You know, because yep. like if you offer different things in different tiers, because uh, if you have like limited items, if you or put whatever, them in the wrong order, if if people in the want wrong the order, people want the first one, yeah, Then they may yeah. go with the cheaper one instead of the more expensive one, or or whatever. Because the it has nothing to different.
1: do with the actual thing that you're Long selling. Long story yeah, short, yeah. selling stuff is hard, and it's, and it's even harder on Kickstarter. You're selling tiers <laughs> of stuff, which is even harder. Tiers of a. Th- Tears of things unrelated to a project for a project that isn't even done yet. Yeah. Shit's stressful,
2: yo. Yeah. Okay. We're going to wrap up with a few quick questions. So we have some very quick snippets I want to dive into. Quick snips. Uh, The first one is just a science fact from an anonymous podcast listener who says, If you laid out all the arteries and veins in your body, end to end, you would die.
1: That's right. I feel like... Wait, is this one of our games? Where is this from? This is a
0: commonly heard joke.
1: Okay. Yeah. I feel like we might have used it might that joke. Be- <laughs> <laughs> it's quite possible.
0: I was like I've I've heard this joke numerous times, but I mean I like it. But yeah. that's right, not man. necessarily true because Aren't it depends how slowly you lay them out. It's kinda like of that question of if you like if you replace one brain cell at a time mm. with a robot. What's it, this cell? is a boat,
1: this is a what's the boat the boat analogy? There's like a philosophy I don't term know for this. You're
0: going, I don't know where you're going with. It's, it's a boat thing. Okay. Anyway, carry on. Okay, so
1: <laughs> so if you've got a boat. The ship of Theseus. Is that right? I, d- yeah. I still don't know what you're talking about. Odysseus'
2: adventure of <laughs> the killing of the Cyclops. Wait, let me, let me collect this. May, you may, you have to Ship elaborate of
1: Theseus.
2: on this. It's just the point is if you replace, <laughs> yeah. if you replace all the parts slowly, then it's the same thing or what? Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. That that what is. it is? I don't know what that is. What means. does it have to do with arteries and veins though? We're not oh, replacing it. Yeah. So it's the
0: same idea is like, there's something about like, if you were just to duplicate a person's brain. Okay. And then take their brain out and put that one in, you'd be like, you just murdered that person and put a copy of their brain in there.
2: Right. Right. Technically, but I guess. if they
0: were awake, <laughs> if they were awake and you slowly just replaced one cell at a time. It depends so on that, how
2: much pain they're having during the, yeah, the course yeah. of the thing, but, whether or not they remember it.
0: But <laughs> we're going to sum it up over time and yes, let it okay. end on a low note. Okay, So they'll feel great about it. Sounds great. And then you've basically gone from the same starting and finish conditions, but it doesn't really feel like you've murdered that person and replaced their brain with a robot. That's true. So what I'm saying is this is the same problem.
2: So you should just slowly If you slowly
0: murder. start un, you know, pulling out and unwinding and laying out a person's blood vessels, okay. if you do it slowly
1: enough... <laughs> then then the they won't die forever then <laughs> they won't die i don't know if that just follows. if you take
0: it to, an, this is this is the beauty of calculus
2: but you're the biology you know phd yeah.
1: so i'm, just, just I'm just gonna, gonna just, take I'm that, gonna that on faith. My
0: doctorate to back this up appeal right. to
1: authority
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay next question uh From Racing for the Finish, if you would be able to bottle and sell your particular brew of sass, what would it taste like? Sarsaparilla. Done. (laughs) Done. All right. uh, Next question. I want this to be a quick one. Let's make it quick. Do you think VR will ever become something everyone has, or will it just die down until it's forgotten? False dichotomy. Flag on the play. Nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Next question comes from Tim Conceivable. In episode 47, you talk a bit about having formal education or training. Do you feel that formal education or training in general actually helps or hinders people? I think
1: people hinder themselves and they need to just quit giving a fuck. Again, listen to John nice. and Joey's I Don't Give a Fuck. Is that right? Yeah. Education can only help you in so much as you help yourself. Whoa. Oh, my God. It's like God. <laughs> Is it, though? There's that is saying, it?
0: right? God helps those who help themselves. Oh, yeah. Which, which is, is also, he it's do also a way of
1: saying he just chills out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And so does educa- education. Like God, just chills out. Yeah, it's all on you. It's you nice to have,
1: around. but really, you just got to do shit yourself. All right, two
2: questions left. Uh, next one is from Anonymous again. He's got really high quality questions here. Anonymous is crushing. Have it you today. ever messed with Game Maker's 3D? No, because that would be dumb. All right, moving on. Next question is from Dombrowski, who asks, "How important would you say it is for you guys to go to game expos and conventions, and what are some that you felt you benefited from being a
1: part of?"
0: Uh, I mean, we kind of touched on this in the past. It's only important if you know exactly why you're going there and accomplish that.
1: And as long as that reason isn't a bad one, yes, right. Generic. And then the as second, fuck. but the yeah. second, well,
0: <laughs> but the best we've gotten out of it is meetings with other developers because then we just met cool people.
2: That's generally what you should use it for: is the meeting other business the and business people. Yeah. yeah.
1: If you're like, I'm gonna go to GDC because they have great parties. I mean just, that's fine, but or if you're like I'm gonna go
0: to Indie Popcon to meet Markiplier
1: and yeah. soak in the sights of Indianapolis.
0: Number one, that's not actually going to end up happening. Yeah. Number two, if it does, it's going to take you seventy hours of waiting in line. Yeah.
2: Both both of those things will. Yeah. I'm Not seeing the sights of Indianapolis. That's pretty easy. It's good. They got that great town square. To the yeah. It's a square. Square circle. <laughs> Which is actually a great time to say uh, we will be going to Indie Popcon. Um, oh yeah sometime when is that it's coming up in the middle of june soon google it six weeks because i don't have the dates on it. so google it yourself now uh,
1: carol will be coming with us right maybe.
2: maybe she has to figure out some timing on some stuff so we'll mm, be okay we're seeing some more flexible on that so okay. uh yeah if you want to actually meet us in person you can go to indie popcon it is in indianapolis this will be our second year going and since we won an award there last year we got a big old booth so we're gonna have our games set up we're gonna have some t-shirts if you missed the t-shirt runs which by the way is done now uh you can actually buy one from us there and we probably will bring posters maybe maybe we haven't figured that out yet but we're gonna work on it and you can come and hang out slap us in the f- in the farm <laughs> <hall. laughs> i almost
0: <laughs> okay. said face we're gonna have a slap booth to Sla- be clear do not slap, slap me in the face palm slaps i will send you right to jail yeah <laughs> and,
1: and honestly so indie popcon is weird this year because last year we went because we were promoting Crashlands. And this time we're just going cause we're just gonna go hang uh, out. Which you know, like we just talked about, if you don't have a good <laughs>
0: <laughs> terrible reason,
1: if to you go. don't have a good reason to go, no, then no, 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 no,
0: no, we're going. Well, just cause, but. Mostly because we want to meet the same devs that we met last year and meet a few more because they're trying to grow this whole, like, indie game dev yeah. part of this of this festival.
1: And because who
2: can pass up a free booth, right, guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. And uh, the last one is that we have a panel tonight, technically. Which, on the night no. of this podcast. Yeah.
1: Well, we if said, you're li-
0: <laughs> yeah, we put the date earlier. <laughs> we're,
1: which was- we're recording this on May 3rd. It will be live on May 4th. So the night of May fourth. If you
2: (laughs) if you go, if the fourth be with you. Oh yes, this is the fourth be with you night. There's a marketing your game and selling your game panel. Uh, which I believe is at Riot, maybe, Science Center, I don't know. It's on the, if you Google the St. Louis Game Dev Co-op, you can find the event on there, and we will be on the panel along with a bunch of other cool devs from St. Louis talking about how to market and sell your games, which we kind of touched on today. So if you want to come learn some stuff, again, give us the old palm slapper, then But not on. face slaps. Not the face slaps. Oh just shit, wait, earlier, is it tomorrow
0: night? Yeah you can go there. Adam will be there yeah. that's so weird I actually wasn't even planning on being here this week but then I decided it was the right move so like, I'll say I'll you flight. should
1: definitely come if you want to learn stuff because as we discussed earlier the more stuff you learn the slower you die yep <laughs> and with that <laughs> with that thanks for listening to Coffee with Butterscotch as always if you want to catch up on podcasts
2: or ask a question for next week go to podcast.bscotch.net otherwise shut up and die slower Okay, we'll see you next week bye bye, bye. bye.